This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Kathy Worthington. Welcome to Late Boomers. I'm Mary Elkins. Today we have as our guest pro skateboarder legend Chad Muska, known in skateboarding circles as the Muska. For those of you not familiar with the skateboarding world, though he's still skating, he's turned his passion into an international fashion brand, creating shoes, clothing, and skateboards, including his new signed limited edition board, the Muska. And he's also a fine artist, music producer, philosopher, video producer, video game character, and is one of the stars of Tony Hawk's new video game, Pro Skater. And there's more. Welcome, Chad. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much for the kind <laughs> intro. Uh, that sounds a little bit uh, uh, complicated even to myself, then I'm the one that, that does all these things. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Great, Chad. You've been named as one of the most influential skateboarders of all time. We've been asking our guests how they got started on their paths. Can you tell us how you first became interested in the sport? So um, it kind of came out of a negative in a weird way. So I was really interested in BMX bikes. I was a, a bike guy. I liked it, a little kid and liked bikes. And one day my bike was stolen and I was, you know, heartbroken pretty much. And one of the kids in the neighborhood had an old skateboard, gave me the skateboard. The rest is history. <laughs> never, put, never, never put it down after that moment. Once I touched a skateboard, it was... Uh, it was just uh, the, the passion of my life that I didn't know existed until I started riding one. I guess it's a good thing. When was the first time you realized that this could actually become a career for you? Was it when you made your first dollar? Well, it, it, so, so it's funny with, with business, for most people, they start with the idea of making money. And that's usually what drives the need to start a business. Um, but in some cases, like my own, it was the, uh, a passion that led to business. And I had no idea or even concern whether or not this passion would ever lead to financial benefit to me. I just loved doing this so much that nothing else in the world mattered. And so there, there was just, there was not even a thought of money. There was like, I was in when I started skateboarding. Um, the industry of skateboarding had hit an all-time low. So it, there was a boom in skateboarding in the 80s, and it just, after the late 80s, it just died. And it went from this big kind of ramps and uh, corporate involvement and all this stuff to basically nobody was doing it. It was uh, sort of looked down upon. And, and uh, 
So it, it, yeah, it was completely born out of passion. And it wasn't till later that I saw an opportunity to turn this passion into a business. Um, and I think that that, it can be a rare thing because people with passion of creativity, whether it's art or clothing design or making a movie director, it doesn't matter if you're passionate about a creative aspect of life. It's really a lot of those people don't have the, 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 the mindset to turn that passion into a business as well. And that was something that I still struggle with and, and, and try to balance on a daily basis. Um, because when you're passionate and you love something, once it becomes a business, it becomes complicated and something else that it wasn't always to, to you. And so that, that's the fine line of like, how do you, um, become successful from your creative passion without ruining what that creative passion is to you and why you do it in the first place. Wow. Yeah, it's the other side of the brain, isn't it? It's like mm -hmm. using the other side of your brain for the business <laughs> and the That's art. Right. When you came to Los Angeles first, or maybe California, you were homeless for a while, yes. right? Tell us yes. what that did for you, or did it did, did it enlighten you, or what, what was that like? So once again, coming back to my passion for skateboarding, um, there the industry itself was in California. And I was living in Las Vegas at the time, and I was back and forth from Las Vegas and Arizona. And, and I just, if I wanted to make it, there was no YouTube that I can upload my skateboard video to and show the world or an internet. There was nothing at that time. You have to remember, this is a different day and age in the early 90s. And so in order to make it in skateboarding, I had to come to California because this is where the industry was based. And so I left everything and, and uh, came out here on a gamble with a dream and that's all I had. And, and uh, um, it was difficult. It was very difficult and it was very scary. And um, being homeless and not knowing what you're gonna eat and sleeping on the streets. And I mean, it, I was like, okay, at every day I thought I probably should go home and go back home because I'm, this is scary and I don't know what's happening out here. But that passion and that desire to achieve my dreams in my life wouldn't allow me to give up. It wouldn't allow me to go home and didn't, it allowed me to get through being hungry. It allowed me to get through uh, being scared, sleeping on the streets. Uh, I just saw this vision. And then once I actually made it to the industry and in California, that's, that's back to your question, Mary, that's, that's where I saw a real opportunity um, become available. And, and uh, as the, those opportunities started to present themselves, that's when I then uh, started becoming more active in the industry. And my career was growing simultaneously with the skateboard industry itself. So it was a, a, a perfect time for, to come up as a professional skateboarder. Um, and uh, it, was, it was just it was golden timing. I don't know how oh. to, you couldn't, you couldn't have uh, written all these things down better or in a movie or anything. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you, you know, you said that you were, it was a scary time. I imagine it really was. And yet I've seen videos of you on your board, jumping off buildings from rooftop to rooftop. You seem to have no fear. Where does that come from? 
I think like, I mean, ask, ask Evil Knievel, where did, where did you get that uh, drive from, you know? I, I think that um, people are just born with it, you know? Certain people will want to take risks. And, um, and so I don't, I, I, it's, I don't think it's something that uh, you can practice or learn to become fearless in some ways on, on, a, on a skateboard or whatever it is uh, that you do. So I, I don't really have an answer otherwise, other than maybe I, that's my destiny and that's what I was born to do. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but and then you went on and you recreated the Skytop shoe design that's now a part of mainstream fashion. So tell us about how you decided to go into this arena, designing shoes and clothing and boards and to eventually founding your own footwear company. I, I didn't have money growing up and I always had an active imagination and not being able to buy cool clothing or, or the things I saw other kids have, I started to imagine the things that I wanted or that I would wear and I would draw them down and I would make up uh, my outfits on paper because I couldn't afford them. And so that was something I did as, as since a little kid. And then when I became into skateboarding and I was allowed to be a professional, I was, I became a professional skateboarder. You then have products that you endorse. And when I had the ability to create my own products, I became more hands-on, I think, than some other pros did. A lot of pros will be pre presented with a board graphic, like here's your graphic by a designer, or here's a t-shirt that we think that fits well with you. And, and so I started to, uh, I found that outlet as a way to have those ideas I had in my head become a reality. And as I started to do a couple products, they became successful. And the more successful your products are, the more the companies will want you to design and develop more products. And so it was sort of a snowball effect based off the success of my initial designs. And it led to, you know, a skateboard design became a t-shirt design, a t-shirt became a hat, a hat became a backpack, a backpack became a shoe, a shoe became everything uh, for me. And, and it's just, uh, uh, it was just such an, a beautiful thing because the two worlds are very connected to me. Um, skateboarding culture has driven fashion for a long time. It's set trends in the youth. Um, that have, have leaked its way into high fashion, into street culture now. Um, and, and now they're, things are all very mixed together nowadays. Uh, so it's kind of different than back then. But skateboarding really set the, the path for a lot of things that are sort of uh, accepted in no, the normal now. That really leads into our next question, which was looking at skateboarding and how did it contribute to your business success? And in the many areas that you've gone into for business? Well, I think like on, uh, I guess just like a life lesson that skateboarding taught me that applied to my business as well is, is failure. Because on a skateboard, you fail over and over and over again and you fall on your face so many times. And after hundreds of times of falling on your face, there's that one time and you land that trick and you're rolling away and all of a sudden, all it maybe took was that one time of landing that trick and then you have the confidence and now you do that trick every time. And then you maybe push it a little bit further and learn a little bit more. And so I've applied that mindset to everything in my life and business included. So I go all at it and I go everything in business, but you're going to fail. You're gonna fall on your face and be embarrassed in front of the world 
And that separates success from non-success, the ability to get back up, dust yourself off, and keep moving forward and, and, and go, okay, maybe I failed 20 times, but out of that 20 times, eventually there's gonna be one that's gonna succeed. And once you have that one taste of success, then you're able to you know, have more confidence, uh, maybe more budget, bigger audience. There, these things grow and then you have to analyze how that's growing and, and take the next idea and vision and make it bigger and, and so on and so on. I just love your shoe design because yeah. weren't you the first person to put in the little secret compartment in the little tongue? Stash of the spot, little stash spot, yeah. yeah. Little stash. There was, a, there was one uh, brand, Kangaroos, who had like a pocket on the side who was kind of an inspiration, but it was more of a marketing thing and very visible. Um, for me, being a skateboarder, we were always on the street skateboarding, and and so you know you got to put your money in your little stash and have a you know a place where where you can get robbed or something, and so um, and that was kind of the the basic. I'm sure people put some other stuff in there. Maybe, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure I heard it. about that. I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you were involved in the music business for a while. Tell yes. us about that. How did that yes. come about? What did you? Uh, so music and skateboarding are very connected to me as well too. Music is sort of the fuel for skateboarding. When you bring, when you're with all your friends and you have a ramp set up and you know, you put on the, you bring, I used to bring my ghetto blaster. So I had a big radio and I'd put the music in and turn it all the way up. And the, you know, the session would just, everybody would get hyped up. And so music is very, been a very major part of my life always, as long as I can remember. And through skateboarding, we started, you know, we were getting, I was getting into music with my friends and we would produce songs and DJ and rap on the microphone. And uh, so it, the, the music was so such a part of my life that I just started making it as well too. And, and then I started producing skateboard videos and we got into some issues with licensing and trying to get music to put in these videos. And so kind of out of a necessity as well. I was already producing music. I decided, well, I'll just make my own music. Then I don't have to have any licensing agreements or anything. I can create my own content and put it in my video parts. And so that kind of led to me going, well, if I'm making music and putting it out there, I should start a record label. And, and, <laughs> I, and so I started a record label. I, I, made an album and I worked with some of the most influential hip hop artists of all time who inspired me in my life growing up um, and was able to produce this album that was just fantastic in my eyes, not to talk about my own project, more so uh, not because of my abilities as a music producer, as a beat producer, but by this, the, the group of people that came together. And if you research every one of these hip hop artists, they just, it's like, it only happens one time when something like that happens, when a, a new genre of music is created. It's like uh, the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles. And, you know, th that's only going to happen one time. And the people that um, I involved are, are similar within the hip hop community. And it's people like Africa Bambata and Melly Mel and KRS-One and Flavor Flav and who are all, you know, you, you, you guys may or may not know, I don't, I'm not sure, but, but uh, you know, these are just, just very influential people. So it was such an honor to have my music production come cross paths with people who I looked up to as a youth and never thought I would ever have the opportunity to 
create and record music with. Um, but I just happened to start a music label at the worst possible time oh. for music because that was in the, the early stages of streaming music and Napster and, uh, you know, these, these downloadable sites had just uh, come around and the music industry was in a big uh, really shuffle of not understanding of how to stop selling physical product and start to generate income from the digital streaming services. Um, and I just got into it at the wrong time, <laughs> but, um, but I still, yeah, but I still create music and put it out there. And, uh, my, my goal at that time was all the tower records were closing and all this stuff. So I foresaw that the skateboarding shops would be a, a new outlet for, to sell physical music, CDs and albums. Um, and it worked for a while, but then it was like, everybody had just started downloading and everything. So, but once again, back to my earlier statement of business where, you know, it doesn't always work perfect. And, um, it, it, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means that you tried something and you, you learned a big lesson from that. And the next time that you do it, you're going to do it that much better because of the experience you've had in your, your previous venture. That's so inspirational. Um, and I know that playing music in your car, you've driven around the streets of LA to hand out your merchandise to, her ki to kids you see skateboarding. Do you yeah. feel a responsibility to those kids who are coming up in the sport? And do you have a message for them? Uh, well, yeah, I, I think so. I think anybody who uh, ex succeeds or excels in any uh, business or, or uh, sport or whatever it is that you, we all owe guidance to the youth to some extent. Um, and, and I, one, one where also where I think that that's a, a gap that um, needs to be bridged more the gap between the youth and wisdom, you know? And, and I feel like um, everybody's like, well, you're too old for this. And okay. So skateboarding myself, I'm 43 years old now. From the time I was probably 20 years old, I was starting to hear, uh, you're getting kind of old for this, you know, like, uh, we're not, you know, there's some younger kids that are coming up, you know, you're, we don't know if we want to pay you. We don't know if we want to endorse, you know, so, so I've been hearing I'm too old <laughs> for my profession since I was 20 years old. And here I am, you know, uh, 23 years later, and I'm still, maybe I'm not the best skateboarder in the world at this point, but I've proven I can be, maintain relevance and stay a part of an industry that I love beyond my physical ability on my skateboard. And I think that that's important for a lot of people that are passionate about their, um, uh, whatever their expression is, that maybe when if if their uh if their ability is lacking in at some point will deteriorate then you have to start to think well how can i stay a part of something i love if my physical abil ability is no longer there and and I, there is always a way there is always a way to stay a part of the things you love um whether it's in skateboarding, for instance, you could be a designer, you could be a sales rep, you could be a, a, a web developer, you could be in manufacturing and sourcing. Um, there are just so many different things that go into every industry that you should keep your, your mind open to and study these things if you're interested in a specific uh, uh, industry 
Don't just study the one thing that you like about it. Study every single aspect of how that industry survives and, and becomes something. Even if you're not going to do every little step of it, at least you'll have a better understanding of each piece that it takes to make a business complete. That is fabulous advice. Absolutely. For kids coming up, but for just for entrepreneurs in general that want to start a business. Oh, and I guess I know sometimes I get off on my, I don't think I even answered the question. Maybe oh, you yeah. did. I think oh, I you did, really did. did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I wanted to ask you, because I was researching and watching your videos and everything. I wanted to say, what are you feeling when you're riding your tricks and you're in these videos? Because on the Rad Rat channel on YouTube, the guy said one of your videos was shot in one day and into the night where you did nine different tricks in one yeah. day. Yeah. And these stunts are crazy dangerous. So there must yeah. be so much adrenaline involved. Yeah. Or what, do you, what do you feel like when you're doing all that? I think it's like, it's one of those things that's almost an impossible uh, thing to explain almost. You know what I mean? Like, because it, it's the one way I could put it is like, is that time, sometimes in the middle of a trick, it's as if time slows down. You could almost, like you ever heard somebody say like, oh, I was in a car accident and it, I, it was like slow motion. Like the whole world was in slow motion. It's very similar to that in the middle of some of these tricks. It's either that or it's almost a blackout where I don't even remember what happened and I'm looking down and I'm just rolling away and I'm like, I did it, you know? And you have to almost go back and watch the, uh, the video to remember what you did almost. So, it, but it's, it's uh, oh man, such a fantastic feeling. Uh, skateboarding is such a, uh, it's like nothing else because, uh, you know, at least for me, because you're, you really are risking your life at, at any, it's a dangerous sport. And, and that's one thing I would give advice to kids is, is uh, it's dangerous. And when you're first starting, you should wear a helmet, you should wear your pads and, and, uh, and, and be careful and, and don't uh, go past your ability, you know, stay within your ability and practice and learn and take time. And because, uh, because it is dangerous it, and, it takes tons of concentration, though. Are you, are you completely focused? You're just zeroed in? 1,000%. Like, uh, so I'm a street skateboarder, so we go and find uh, natural environment, uh, architecture that was not made for skateboarding. <laughs> I, I travel this world my whole, my whole skateboarding career and search for architecture that is uh, perfect for skateboarding. And so, but in that sense, there are a lot of variables that go into it when you're at this public place that's usually we're not supposed to be there and uh, we're, we're skateboarding. And so you have pedestrians walking around, you have security guards kicking you out. And so you're trying to stay laser focused. And I mean, the littlest thing. So if I'm getting ready to do a trick and I'm like on my skateboard and I'm looking at that obstacle ahead, you know, I'll stand there for 20 minutes, a half an hour sometimes just you know, doing these whole, like, I have a whole, like, routine of weird, like, ticks that I do and stuff, you know, I'll, I'll be like, hey, I, this one's for the homies, or I, I yell stuff out randomly, and uh, maybe tap my skateboard a few times, and sometimes you'll throw your board down and roll up to it, like, 20 times before you'll actually um, commit to trying it, so th there's, it's, you have to be very, very focused, and, and in the moment, uh, in order to do your trick, I guess. Wow. Yeah. I wondered when you watch it, you wouldn't know that, you know, because you yeah. see the it, finished, finished product. 
but, it all looks easy, right? You're like, oh, they just land every trick, every try. Uh, yeah, because those are the cut videos. We only use yeah. the good stuff. But yeah. what do you believe are the greatest challenges you've faced in all your careers? You've touched on some of that, but you, you've had so many challenges. Yeah, I think, um, I think the biggest challenge for anything is um, staying passionate, you know, staying passionate about what you do. And I, it's easy for me to stay passionate about um, riding a skateboard or creating artwork or making music because I just love doing those things so much. But at times, the staying passionate within business can be hard because my overall objective is never to make money. I, although I want to make money, I need to make money. We all need to make money. Um, we need to survive. We need to eat. Um, my objective is, is to manifest these ideas I have in my head in, in hopes that it will create security for me in my life. Um, but the, the fact that money isn't my main objective can sometimes make the business part of it a little bit more challenging and a little more, a little harder to like, you know, stay focused on uh, the computer side of things or, or communication or figuring out uh, manufacturing and all these different things that uh, luckily I've had a lot of partners over the years that, that had, have done most of those things. But when some things start to fail in business and I'm allowing other people to do things, um, you have to really pull back and, and go, okay, what's happening and analyze all those things. And that's why I said earlier in my conversation, when I said, you have to understand every aspect of business, even if you're not doing it. And which kind of pulls me back into where I'm at right now. Um, I, a lot of, I've been involved with major businesses, hundreds of millions of dollars in you know, sales and, and all that stuff, but I've never managed those types of businesses. I've always left it up to other people because I like to create the energy that fuels the sales of those businesses. And that's where my uh, talents are, I believe. I don't think my talents are in net uh, business structure and finding uh, you know, the best uh, conversion rates and all these things. I just, I don't find, I know, understand and know how to do them, but it's not, I'm not as passionate about those things. But get, so fast forward till right now, we're in a completely different world we're, uh, right now. Everything changed recently, especially for retail, especially for business, as far as clothing, footwear. Um, and we're seeing a lot of, okay, what is going to happen? A lot of uncertainty right now. And we've all spent a lot more time at home. Uh, and so these things led me to redesign and rethink my business life. And I decided that I, instead of trying to manage a huge, you know, multi-million dollar business or hundred millions of dollars business, I would like to start grassroots again and do something out of my home and connect with a direct to consumer business and my fan base and build on my own and, and get it to a level that I'm comfortable with managing. And then maybe bring in at some point, bring in more employees or possibly outsource the logistics. But I really wanted to do something that I, I could do for myself and not be dependent on anybody else, work at my own pace, put out the, the, the visions that I have without having to explain anybody why this vision is what it is and why I believe in it. I needed this personal outlet to do whatever I want to do, put out the products I want to uh, put out and manage and maintain my own shipping. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing it out of a bedroom in my house, which I converted into a studio. I could, there's some stuff, I mean, I can maybe see over here. 
Let's see if you could go. Uh, yeah, we should well. tell our listeners we're doing this yeah. on Zoom. So yeah. You can see all his equipment and supplies. Yeah, some lights and stuff. I mean, there's not a whole lot, but, I, but you know, so. Very organized. Yeah. You have, you know, I have my own, my own photography set up, video set up, and a computer set up, and that's really all you need. You need to capture images of your, your, your uh, products. You need to make content and market them and shipping logistics and shipping receiving, you know? So I, that's what I've created here and, and it's small scale, but I've already uh, had a great response from uh, my fan base who I, uh, you know, I, I regulate through my social media, through Instagram ma mainly. Your Instagram and, is awesome. It's oh, yeah. fabulous. Your fans are so <laughs> engaged. Well, uh, they are, I mean, like you just announce your new, new business and they go for it. They're just so it was pretty crazy. And, and, and so this is my first time ever using social media in this way, even though I've promoted um, my product, I've always promoted my products through social media. They all went through the company and, and it was a you know, normal, but I've never myself personally um, started something, did a post and had access to sell through that marketing tool. And it's just insane. I mean, it's mind blowing that we are able to connect with our consumers on such a personal uh, basis like that and uh, come up with products and, and link up with them. There's, there's no distribution that you have to sell to who sells to a store that, you know, you hope that your customer can find the store. And I mean, there's so many things that uh, are just so um, interesting to me with this, uh, this, this platform that I've just created and it's just the beginning of it. You're selling your board, right? Your limited edition board? Yes. So this one was, uh, 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 I put out 100 skateboards um, online and I, I had no idea what was going to happen. And I, I clicked my refresh button on my Shopify account that I was building and I blinked and I was like, no, this can't be right. All these, I saw these names and I was like, well, this is crazy. And I had to look again. And I'm like, it sold out. All of them sold out in like two minutes. And I, this is crazy. So I had to just kind of process it all. And I was figuring it out. And there were a lot of angry people. People were like, I didn't get this skateboard. I didn't get the skateboard. And so I had, um, I produced only 300 of the first run. which isn't a whole lot, but, um, but still uh, to, it was rather rewarding to see that this formula can work uh, and encouraging to go, okay, if with a little bit more marketing and a little bit more lead time and um, design for products, it's, it's just really exciting that this, that this exists and um, I'm looking forward to see what becomes of it. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, I, I just have one question I have to ask you because you were supposed to be inducted into the Skateboarding Hall of Fame this year, but you declined it. Tell our, our audience why. Yeah, so um, it's something that like I haven't like really spoke on publicly too much after I did it. Um, it was really something that came from my heart, and it was it was something that was for the time that we were are living in. It was very important to me. So street skateboarding, um, it, it's is influenced street culture on a whole, from streetwear to music. Um, and, and all these things were birthed from 90s skateboarding. And, and this happened in this time period. And so skateboarding for so long was a predominantly white 
Southern California based sport or hobby or lifestyle, whatever you want to call it. Um, and for many years, it was not, uh, it was there were not many ethnicities that were partaking in this sport. And in the 90s came along a whole group of street skateboarders that were black, Mexican, Asian, uh, you know, across, all across the map. And all of a sudden, skateboarding became this diverse, racially diverse, um, financially diverse, globally diverse. I mean, all it, it, everybody started skateboarding. And so it was very important to me that if an institution like the skateboarding hall of fame exists that it properly represents the racial diversity within skateboarding and i felt at the time it did not reflect that at all and especially um from my era and so i declined my induction to the skateboarding hall of fame this year because given the state of the world and the the light that has been shining on the importance of what's happening in our culture with white, black, Hispanic, all this stuff, there's, there's, there is racism, I believe, within our culture that needs to be addressed and it needs to be uh, done with as, 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 as soon as possible. And I know it doesn't happen overnight, but for myself, this was the best thing that I could do to offer my position to a, a black professional street skateboarder, Kareem Campbell, who was my mentor coming up, um, who designed footwear before me, who started his own company before me of a street skateboarding company. And I came to LA as a kid and I met him as a, a pro that I looked up to. And so I thought that no matter what his race is even, <laughs> he should have that spot before I did but given his him being a black professional skateboarder and influencing all these millions of black skateboarders that are around nowadays it was so important for me to, to at least put that message out there and make the world aware that it was important that skateboarding is represented the way that it is to me and it is a completely culturally ethnically diverse sport there are all walks of life that skateboard and there's as many girl skateboarders as there are guy skateboarders now, which when I was growing up was, was not the case. And the skateboarding is for everybody and anybody. And, and I feel that these institutions need to properly represent that. And that was my reason. Uh, it's hard to even explain a hundred percent through words why I did it, but I guess in a nutshell, that was the, the reasoning behind my, my statement for that. And I think you're, that's, you're, that's a superlative explanation. And it's this very, the first... I find it very moving and extremely inspiring that you would want to do that. Uh, I, I appreciate it. I thank you. And this is actually the first uh, I spoke on this publicly after announcing it. I declined all interviews after on the topic because it wasn't about me. It was just about the idea. And even if I could use uh, myself to spread that word more, I wanted to just do the one statement and I'm hoping that it still happens. It's still to, to be determined what is gonna happen with that. And I really didn't like 100% the way that they handled it. I felt like they pushed it aside a little bit to see if it dies out. And um, you know, if their hype around it dies down or something, I didn't like the way that they handled it. But I also didn't want it to be an attack on the organization because I feel 
that we live in a lot of cancel culture right now. And if there's a problem with something, it doesn't mean that it should be dead and go away. Or if a person makes a mistake that they should be you know, shunned from society. I think that we all need to learn from these mistakes and grow and become better together and, um, and, and, and find ways to understand each other instead of just saying that that person's bad and this institution's bad and get rid of it, it's, it's done. You know? And so that, that's the way I think. And I hope that this brings something positive from my action. I'm inspired. For sure. And what do you see for your future now? More, more of the new business? Uh, do you see anything else? Art, your art or your music? What, what are you looking for the future, for the next, say if you could look forward 20 years, what do you want to be doing? So for me, it's, it's all the above because all the above is the same exact thing to me. It's manifesting a, a, an idea that comes in my head. And it doesn't matter what that expression is, whether it's through doing a skateboard trick, painting a painting, shooting a picture, designing a new shoe. They're all the same thing to me. It's, it's an expression of a manifestation of an expression that lives within you. And so I, don't, I can't tell you what that vision in my head is gonna be 20 years from now, but I know that there are gonna be visions continued there. And I know I have a necessity within me to make these things happen and to get them out, out there. Um, this, my own business and my own direct to consumer uh, platform that I'm creating right now is only out of necessity to obtain freedom of financial dependency on anything. Because if I'm free from de financial dependency, then my ideas are bigger. I'm not worried. I'm not worried if this idea is going to make money. I'm just, I'm just know that I want to get this idea out there. I know this design is beautiful in my head, so I'm going to do it. I don't care if it's going to sell. I don't care if, if somebody's going to write something bad about it. So I focus on business only allow, to allow me to have the creative visions that I know I have. And so... Uh, that's that's my goal is to keep working um, because I, I'm I'm although I've made a lot of money I'm I'm far from set for life I'm not a, a a bazillionaire or anything you know I'm not broke but I'm I'm always constantly investing my money back into my visions back into my dreams and my and my life and the experience Ex experience was the most valuable things I've ever had in my life and I wouldn't trade all the money in the world that I could have saved for those experiences and the knowledge that I learned from those experiences. And so I'm just, I'm so like, I, I would, I would say I'm, I'm blessed, but I, I know it took a lot of work to do these things that I get to where I'm at, but I'm still am blessed to have these opportunities to have the life that I have. I, I don't take any of it for granted. And I appreciate all of this every single day. And I try my best to do the best with, all these things that I've accomplished and, and the platforms that I've created. I want to do good for this world. I want to make it a better place. I want to analyze my business that I am creating and look at old business and find ways to make it better to, to lessen my carbon footprint. Even though I have cardboard boxes here, I'm shipping, I'm doing a lot of things business are doing, but I'm entering this business with a lot of these positive things in mind that I do want to create better change in a better world. And I believe I can help do it. This has been so inspiring and so fun, oh, Chad. Phenomenal. You are, just, thank you. you are so deserving of, of the uh, adulation that the fans give you. 
you know. Thank you. It's well Thank deserved. You. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we'd like to thank our guest today, the legendary skateboarder, Chad Muska. Thank you so much. Uh, what, an, what an honor it was. It was a pleasure and a, a, a beautiful conversation. I, and you, I, can, uh, you can follow him on Instagram, at the Muska, yeah. and his Instagram is really wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Your, your engagement on there with the fans is amazing. And where else would you like fans to find you, Chad? Is that I think that's that's the main place. That's that's my hub right there, pretty much. And then anything else would uh, I'll funnel through there if there's a website or whatnot. At the musk, oh no, uh, themuska.com too is uh, my website that I'm building, which will be my platform. But it will be uh, uh, it just kind of comes in whenever I want it to pop up, it'll pop up. It won't be an active store all the time, so. And it'll be a unique experience almost every time you come. That's my goal, too. It is. Thank you so much again, and thank you to our listeners. And we'll see you all again on our next episode of Late Boomers. Leave us a note or a question on our website, lateboomers.biz. Thanks. for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com.
Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.